You'll find it after Psalm 76. Psalm 77, for the director of music from Jeduthun of Asaph, a psalm. I cry out to God for help. I cry out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. I mused, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart mused, and my spirit inquired. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Selah. Then I thought, to this I will appeal the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your words and consider all your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, are holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The skies resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters, through your footprints, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. May God bless the reading of this word. In the mid-1990s, I was a professor in a Bible college out in the far west in the state of Oregon. And while I was uh, teaching there, one of the students died. These things happen even among communities of young people. His roommate tried to wake him up in the morning, but he could not be wakened. You can imagine that the whole student body was shocked, plunged into sadness. I remember distinctly going to the memorial service for this young man. He was popular on campus. He was on the basketball team. He was a spiritual leader. And we all gathered in a large church in the community, uh, at least as big as this room, maybe a little bit bigger. And I remember walking through the middle doors in the back. And as I walked through, on this side of me was a group of students who were just grieving. They were crying. They were holding each other. They were weeping. I think there were some of the basketball team members and cheerleaders, and they were just in mourning. And on this side of me 
the distance from that music stand to here was another group of students. And they were laughing and carrying on and giving each other the high five because apparently one of their circle had just gotten engaged and she was showing her engagement ring to the others and they were rejoicing. And there I stood in the middle. feeling like this was a bit of a parable of the human condition. There are the good times. There's happiness. There's friendship. There's love. There's health. There's weeping and mourning and questions. You might say that we live in this hinge Sometimes facing that way, sometimes leaning this way. But this is life under the sun that God has given us. We live in this hinge. I'd like to speak to you this morning from Psalm 77 about living in this, this unsettled time this hinge experience. You might say we live between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We call Good Friday Good Friday. It was actually Bad Friday. It was dark. There was question. The disciples scattered. The Lord Jesus died a terrible death. They were afraid. They ran for their lives. And then there's Easter Sunday. Victory and The stone is rolled back. And we don't have a name for the day in between. Saturday. But that's where we live. Between the problem of suffering and evil, and sometimes we face that way. And yet our hope also faces another way. Living in the hinge. The psalm is constructed around that hinge. I've drawn it for you in sort of a graph. So let me take you through it how the psalmist first goes down and down, really into despair, but then things turn. And he starts on an upward path. Heavenly Father, as we look at your holy word, as we look about how to live in the hinge, Please open our hearts, give us ears to hear, give us strength for today, and bright hope for tomorrow. First of all, the psalm starts with a cry and a downward trajectory. You see that in verses 1 through 3. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands. And my soul refused to be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I mused. I grew faint. This is an intensely personal psalm. 
He's talking about his own experience, and yet we can identify. But look how personal it is. Look how many personal pronouns are in the first three verses. Can you count them? Personal pronouns are I or my. I cried out to God for help. Two, number two, I cried out to God to hear me. That's three. Keep counting them. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. By my count, there's 11 personal pronouns crammed into three verses. He's pouring out his own experience, and yet we can identify. The word cry means literally to shout. What is going on, Lord? I stretched out untiring hands, literally in the Hebrew text, the blood did not cease to flow. In other words, his arms, his hands never got numb. He's just like this all night long. Lord, Lord, what? I remembered you and I groaned. At night, I wrestled with you. Sometimes night brings relief. Sometimes it intensifies our lament. How stressful to hear the clock strike twelve and one and two and three. God, where are you? Why? I don't know what his circumstances were. I think it's probably helpful that he doesn't specify the particular things so that we can all identify. I don't know if he had health problems. I don't know if his family was in crisis. I don't know if he had been betrayed by a close friend, but there was something, some trial that caused him to lament. Verse 3 says, I remembered you, O God, and I groaned. Normally, when we remember God, we sing and we praise Him and we we worship. Here he says, I remembered you and I groaned. Why does he groan? Because his experience of life doesn't match his knowledge of God. See what I mean? He knows from the Bible and from a personal experience and from the testimony of other people, he knows that God is good and loving and kind and powerful and present. And yet here we've got his life. I don't know if it was health problems or betrayal. And so when he thinks about God, it's like, oh, he groans and sighs. One of the little spoken truths about following God is that we wrestle with God. This is called lament. This is a psalm of lament. Remember John the Baptist? John the Baptist was the great forerunner of Jesus, right? He's the one who proclaimed, prepare the way of the Lord, make the path straight. Here comes Jesus. Here he is. I'm not worthy to untie the, or whatever, tie his sandals and, and the, behold the Lamb of God. Well, later in the story, they threw him in prison. 
And he started going, whoa, hang on now. He doubted, he wrestled, he, he, he lamented. He said, are you the one who is to come or, or, or not? Are you him? Are you? Even John the Baptist wrestled with God. If you wrestle with God, you're not alone. You're not, this is normal experience of followers with God. You've heard the name Martin Luther, the great reformer back in the, what, the 1500s? One biographer says about Martin Luther, his whole life was a struggle against depression and doubt. A fight for faith. If you wrestle with God, you're in good company. Last week I gave you a quotation from Counselor Larry Crabb. It's worth repeating. One of the least user-friendly truths that the Bible teaches is that in this life, something is always missing. And that's where our psalm begins with a cry. But we're not done yet. We head, we head further down. It intensifies. We go deeper into this, into this, uh, this lament. He descends into silence. He begins with a cry and then just, he can't even talk anymore. Verses 4 through 9. You kept my eyelids from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered, we used to sing songs in the night. My heart mused and my spirit inquired. Verses 7, 8, and 9. They, they come at us with the, the, the thudding, the pound of a bass drum as he lists off six rhetorical questions. Boom, boom, one after the other. Will the Lord reject forever? Number two, will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has He in anger withheld His compassion? And so we're on a downward trajectory, aren't we? As this lament deepens. See, when bad things happen to us, whether it's betrayal or health or family crisis, or when bad things happen... We wonder if God has abandoned us. And the seeming silence that we receive from Him makes us turn silent. This is what happens with lament. But do you notice something? Even in His wrestling, even in His sighing and in His groaning, even in His silence, He is still clinging to God. He has not abandoned the faith. He's wrestling. That's part of the genius of lament. As 
Counselor Dan Allender says, A lament is truly asking, seeking, and knocking to comprehend the heart of God. A lament involves the energy to search, not to shut down the quest for truth. A lament uses the language of pain, anger, confusion, and moves toward God. And in our psalm, even as we reach the low point of the psalm, it is still an articulation of faith. Because he's wrestling with God. He has not turned his back on God. He's still praying. He's still seeking and knocking. Then verse 10 starts the process of digging out. Verse 10 is the hinge in our psalm. And we see it in verses 10 through 15. Then I thought... To this I will appeal. To the years of the right hand of the Most High. What does that mean? He stops talking to himself. Excuse me. He stops listening to himself and he starts talking to himself. He stops listening to, where's God? God's abandoned me. Life stinks. Life is terrible. This, this is no good. And he starts talking. To, he said, okay, I'm going to take myself in hand and I'm going to discipline my mind and I'm going to start counting my blessings and I'm going to appeal to this. The years of the right hand of God. The right hand is the strong hand of power. Sorry for you left-handed people, but in the, in the Bible, the right hand is a symbol of authority. Sit at my right hand. I'm going to appeal. I'm going to remember. I'm going to recount. I'm going to vocalize the power of God in the past, the years of the right hand of God. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. He stops listening to himself. He starts talking to himself. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to remember God's greatness. I'm going to think about his miracles. I'm going to write them down. I'm going to journal about them. I'm going to tell other people. I will talk about, remember the power of God. Do you see verses 11 and 12? There's four verbs. I will remember your deeds then. I will remember your miracles. I will meditate on your works. I will consider all your mighty deeds. When living in the hinge, which is where you live, don't forget to remember. Would you like to write that down, those of you who are note takers? While living in the hinge, between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, Silent Saturday, don't forget to remember. It will give you strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. The particular thing that he remembers is the great and mighty deliverance of God through the Red Sea. He talks about it for the whole rest of the psalm. 
this upward swing as he recounts the glory of God and the power of God and the deliverance of God in the past. This experience of being delivered from Egypt, traveling through the Red Sea, crossing the Jordan River. The whole rest of the psalm uses poetic language to talk about the miracle of the exodus from Egypt. The waters, the waters of the Red Sea, saw you, O God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The skies resounded with thunder. Your arrows, I think that's probably lightning, your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the world. When the lightning lit up the world, the earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. He's living in the hinge. I don't know what his problem was. Family crisis, health problems, I don't know. But he's there. His experience of God does not match his his daily grind. He believes certain things about God. He's good, he's powerful, he's present, he's wise, he's he's the God. So what is this? He lives between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. What does he do? Well, first of all, he groans, he goes down, he meditates, he muses, he descends into silence. But then what does he do? He takes himself in hand. He says, I'm going to remember Don't forget to remember. The thing he remembers is this great miracle of the Red Sea. You know what? You and I were included in that event. Yes, those are our spiritual fathers and mothers. We too are children of Abraham. We have been grafted into this nation of Israel. We passed through the Red Sea, and you and I can remember that miracle. We crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land. But we have an advantage on the psalmist. He could think back to this mighty deliverance, and you and I do also, and we we, we praise the Lord, and we were included in that. But we look back to what he had to look forward to. We look back to another deliverance. A greater Moses, a greater deliverance, a bigger defeat of a more powerful foe when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. You live in the hinge, yeah? Don't forget to remember. Jesus died for you. He defeated Satan. I know that you're in this hinge right now, but another day is coming when this full victory will be realized. Yes, in this life, something is always missing, but there is coming another life where nothing is missing. Don't forget, especially in your lament, to follow the example of, what's this guy's name? Asaph. Don't forget to follow the example of Asaph. Don't forget to remember. When we remember his mighty deeds, it helps us live in the hinge. Now, do you have a venue for doing that, for for recounting, recalling, rehearsing, reciting, remembering? Do you have a small group? 
Do we do it here on Sunday mornings? Do you have a group of friends? Someone who will encourage you and listen and add to your memories and help you uh, recall and, and call to mind? This is a spiritual discipline. Remembering. Putting back together, remembering that which is dismembered. Putting our faith back together by looking at the past, the mighty deeds of God. Looking in faith to the future. Strength for today in the hinge. Shall we conclude with some practical lessons about lamenting from this psalm and the other psalms of lament? Well, we've already said this, but let's be explicit with it. Trials are a normal part of Christian experience. Jesus experienced trials, and the servant is not above his master, and we will walk in his steps, and we also will experience trials. Second lesson, lament is a normal part of the Christian experience. As I told you last week, lament is the largest category of psalms. There's 150 psalms, about 50 of them, (laughs) wow, are psalms of lament. Last week we looked at Psalm 88, this week at Psalm 77, there's 48 other ones, (laughs) psalms of lament. And so this prayer book, this worship book, these songs from the heart that we call the book of Psalms, demonstrate to us, this is part of what followers of God do. We wrestle. We groan. We lament. Another lesson, use the body. That is to say, use your friends, use your Christian influences, use the Sunday morning service, use your small group to help you process, vocalize your doubts and concerns, express your heartache, and to inject into you and to infuse into you faith to help you walk with God. I remind you that they used to sing these things. I mean, this, you know, they used to sing the Psalms. They used to sing these things on, on you know, not Sunday morning, for us it's Sunday morning, but whenever they gathered for worship, they'd sing, I groaned, O oh God, I stretched out my untiring hands. They were using the corporate strength and solidarity of worshiping together, even in lament. Don't go it alone. Christianity is a team sport, not an individual event. Use the body. Worship, even in pain. I'm not saying you have to be happy, happy, cheerful. I'm saying... Speak words of honor to God. 
cling to Him. Even in family crisis. Even when your health disintegrates. That's what we see going on in the Psalms of Lament. Last week I told you that the church father named Ambrose called the book of Psalms a gymnasium for the soul. It's where we work out. It's where we stretch ourselves. You might say that the Psalms are a hospital. It helps us deliver faith. Even in your pain, express your appreciation and confidence and hope in our great God. And then finally, don't forget to remember. Worship does not take away our problems because we live in the hinge. But when we do not forget to remember God's mighty deeds of the past, we may find strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Our Heavenly Father, for those this morning who are in pain, who are crying out and doubting and wrestling like John the Baptist and Martin Luther Please help them to maintain their faith and to honor you even in the trial. And help those of us who are not in a particular uh, trial right now to support them, to listen, to pray, to encourage, to empathize. Help us do our part so that the entire church can arrive whole and safe with you in heaven one day. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen.